Our sermon passage is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In the first book of Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Our prayer this morning is that you would speak to us from your word. Our prayer this morning is that you would grab a hold of us and awaken us. That you would grab a hold of us and stir us and move us in faith toward you into your work of of building your kingdom and your church through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is our prayer this morning. We pray now that you, by your spirit, would work mightily in these, your people. Help us, help us, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the um, positives of having multiple services on a Sunday is when the first sermon doesn't go that well, you get to try to clean up the second one, okay? So... So this is like the big spill, and we're going to try to tidy things up here at 9.30 this morning. Um, here's what I'm keenly aware of. Um, this is our annual mission emphasis, and our goal is to focus on the God who is moving and the God who is inviting us to be a part of his work. But you know, when, when we stand up as preachers in front of congregations to try to motivate God's people toward mission, it, it's so easy to fall into trying to be too creative 
or trying to find a new way to say things, like thinking that if, wrongly thinking that if, if I can just craft the words just right, the light bulbs will go off and massive revival will sweep through the world. Here's the reality. What the Lord is doing in the world is very clear. It's actually pretty simple. And, and the fact that the Lord desires to use his church in his work in the world is very simple. And I want to show you those simple realities this morning. But I'm hoping for something that's not simple. And this is what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping that the Spirit of God, who is present in all of his people, will cause me and cause you to hear this simple word in a way that we are shaken and stirred and motivated and frankly just not complacent any longer. I hope that this February missions emphasis is amazing. I hope that we raise tons of money. I hope that our mission partners all over the world are funded and grateful. But you know what I hope more than that? That our presence in Hendersonville, Tennessee would result in men and women coming to know Jesus and being eternally transformed. And the Lord's calling us into that work. I hope that the ministries that many of us are a part of outside of Hendersonville, but in this area, the local partners that Amy referenced in that video, I'm hoping that they'll be enlivened and emboldened by some of your presence and that much eternal fruit would be harvested. Let's be the people who are so emboldened and so empowered that we can't be silent. And that, that's what I'm hoping for, okay? That's it. And my job this morning is to compel us that that's what God wants from us. So we're going to look at the passage that Dylan read, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. But this is the point. God is moving to build his kingdom to the ends of the earth. And God is inviting, calling, shaking, pleading, stirring, commanding his church to follow after him on the mission. That's what I want us to believe when we're done this morning. So if you haven't already, please take your Bible and turn over to Acts chapter 1. First point, if you want to take notes this morning, is mission, mission given. I want to define some terms for you. Mission, in this context, is the work of God to redeem and save people from every 
nation and language and tribe and tongue through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Missions or being on mission is the church taking part by faith in the mission of God. It's God's work. He's calling us into it. And that is really what is said to us in some theological terms in these verses. Really what's going on in these verses is the followers of Jesus are asking Jesus what's next. They're asking Jesus, what do you want us to do? And he's going to give them an answer. Receive the Spirit. Be my witnesses. Receive the Spirit. Be my witnesses. So this is a a pivotal piece of the life and ministry of Jesus. The book of Acts, which we're looking at right now, is written um, by a man named Luke. And if you know the Bible, that triggers little light bulbs in your head because Luke also wrote a gospel, a story of Jesus. And so you might say that what we call Luke was kind of Luke part one, and what we call Acts was kind of Luke part two, but that sounds a little too much like a college course, so we don't call it that. We call it the Acts of the Apostles. But in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 1, Luke tells of the birth of Jesus. He tells of the life of Jesus. He tells of the ministry of Jesus. He tells of the death of Jesus. He tells of the resurrection of Jesus. He tells of the physical appearances of Jesus. So what Luke has covered before we come to this passage is Jesus is God's Savior. Salvation is in Christ alone. He died for sinners. He rose again so that sinful people can have life in his name. And all who trust him are called the children of God. Luke's already made that clear. And we cling to that as we look at Acts and we talk about mission. The gospel of Jesus is the saving power of God. Sinners are only acceptable in the sight of God because of the gospel of Jesus. We are called children of God. We're called church of God. We're called redeemed people because the blood of Jesus has covered our sin and made us the children of God. So if you're here today exploring Christianity, exploring the faith, wondering what it looks like to respond to Christ, here's what you need to hear. Christ came. Christ lived. Christ died, Christ rose again, so that sinners can find deliverance in him. After this resurrection, after these appearances, the book of Acts picks up. And where it picks up is the people of, excuse me, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, saying, okay, Lord, what's next? So verses 1 through 3 just summarize what I just told you. That Luke had written a first book. That it it talked about everything that he came to do and teach until the day that he was 
till his death and his burial and his resurrection. And just before this moment right here. And then it begins in verse 4. While they were with him, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Why not? Because they were missing something. They needed to wait for the promise of the Father, which was this. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he says, I need you to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Spirit. And then in verse 6, we get kind of to the crux of the matter. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, we look at that and we go, hmm, interesting question. But here's really what they're saying. What they're saying is, Lord, what's next? We know you, you came to be God's Savior. We know you are the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Sent One. We know that all the promises given to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob are fulfilled in you. So, is what's next that you take your rightful position of authority over the nation and that you draw all the nations to Israel? Is that what's next? And I think what Jesus said to them probably was the last thing they were expecting. Verse 7, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So I'm not going to give you all the details. But we like details. Okay, but I'm not going to give you all the details. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So you're going to receive the Spirit. Oh, that's good. We like power. We'll take that. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And then verses 9, 10, and 11 tell us that after he said these things, he was taken up. And he disappeared from them. And an angel came and said, don't just stand there and look. Go and do what he told you until he comes again. So the answer, Lord, are you going to restore your kingdom? The answer is, no, actually, I'm going to, well, yes, I'm going to build my kingdom. But I'm going to leave. Okay, I'm just going to leave. And I'm going to send you the Spirit. And empowered by the Spirit, I'm going to use you to build the kingdom. That's the answer. So I, I can't help but think that the disciples went from, we're on the precipice of the moment to, oh, it's not what I expected. So what's the answer? Jesus' answer was, I'm going to go away. I'm going to send the Spirit. The Spirit's going to empower you. And I'm going to build my kingdom, slash build my church, slash 
send the gospel out through you, the empowered ones. That's the answer that's here before us in Acts chapter 1, which means this. The work of God to build his church is central to God's plan. And God uses his church as the human agency of building his kingdom and taking his gospel to the ends of the earth. He's given us his spirit for the purpose of empowering and emboldening us in the work of speaking the gospel and inviting people to Christ. That's what is being told here. And the rest of the book of Acts is an unfolding of this reality. It's an unfolding of this reality. So what I want you to see in this, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to point, Jesus is leaving the earth. He's sending the Spirit. And verse 8 says, the purpose of the Spirit coming is to embolden the disciples as witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem where they were, in all Judea and Samaria, the area around them in the kingdom of Israel and to the ends of the earth, meaning my work is going to go and go and go and go. And so what I want you to take from this is the spirit was sent to empower and embolden the witness of the church. Period. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. So what do we do with this? I, I, I want to give you some practical handles here. Number one. What we see is that it is God who is on a mission and his mission will not be stopped. I've sent my spirit and you, not I want you to, not I'm begging you to, not I need you to, but my people will be, you will be my witnesses. I will use you to build my kingdom. Number two. The workers in the mission are the church of Jesus. The workers in the mission are those who have received the Spirit. Number three. 
the presence of the Holy Spirit in believers like us tells us that God desires to use us in his mission and the presence of the Spirit tells us that God has given us all we need for the mission. We know Christ. We know the gospel. We're empowered by the Spirit. We have what we need. And fourth, this calling to receive the Spirit and be His witnesses is a directional guide for all Christians. If the question is, what's next? And the question is, what do you want me to do? Well, be my witnesses might feel a little bit inadequate, right? I mean, like, but where am I supposed to work? And where am I supposed to live? And, you know, how am I supposed to spend my money? And how am I supposed to make this hard decision? And where should my kids go? Like, like those are all some valid questions. But it's kind of like this, what the Lord is saying If you said, Jamie, where do you want me to go this afternoon? Now, in our iPhone world, you would expect me to just give you the address or the GPS coordinates, and you could lock that in, and you'd get turn by turn all the way to the place, right? Or you could put it in ways, and you could get the fastest, most efficient way to get to the place. We're all like, yeah, well, of course, that's how life works. Well, there used to be a day where we didn't have those devices. And if you wanted to go somewhere, we had this big book that we kept in our trunk called a map. And you had to get it out and you had to find the right state. And then you had to find the, the place in the state. And then you kind of just had to guess like, all right, because it doesn't put, you know, Tennessee, and it doesn't put Illinois on top of Kentucky, on top of Tennessee. You actually had to go to three different pages to piece all that together, right? And so when you were leaving Tennessee to get to Chicago, you just kind of said, all right, it looks like from Tennessee to Illinois, we're going to go north. And then once we get into Illinois, we're on the page, and we can kind of figure out how to get to Chicago, right? Does anybody remember that, that approach to driving? Yeah, yeah, okay. It's funny, our pilot in the back raised his hand. I hope he didn't fly like that. Um, But, um, so it's kind of like, I think what the Lord's saying here is, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go north. And as you go north, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to embolden you, and I'm going to empower you, and I'm going to give you guidance to help you go in the right way. But I want you to go north. And the north of Acts chapter 1 is to be my witnesses here and there to the ends of the earth. And that calling is not just for missions people. It's not just for missionaries. It's not just for pastors. It's not just for people that are, are, are good with their, their speech All of you who have received the Spirit, let's go this way. And I'll meet you and empower you and embolden you and direct you on the way. That's the the mission that the Lord is inviting us to. So really, Christians, 
I'm inviting you to say that the mission of God is for me. The mission of God is for me. Okay, well, how do I, how do I participate in that? The work of the mission is for people to come to faith in Jesus. So let's not overcomplicate it. What's involved is a Christian with the Holy Spirit, people separated from God, and a gospel to be spoken, and love to be displayed. That's the work. Christians, empowered by the Spirit, loving in the name of Christ and speaking the gospel such that those who are far from Christ can hear and believe and enter the family. That's the mission. That's the mission. And I want you to believe that the Lord wants to use you and me and us in that way. So the large contingent, the large point of argument this morning is that the purpose of the Spirit was for the work of mission. Now, if you want to go do a robust theology of the New Testament, the Spirit of God does many things, but never less than empowering Christians for the work of mission. And I want us to show you how that plays out a little bit in the first part of the book of Acts. So our second point this morning is power for mission. The remainder of the book of Acts is detailing God moving his church into this mission. And his moving his church into this mission involves sending the Spirit. It involved emboldening. It involved empowering, and it even involved sending persecution to scatter them to make sure they got to the right places and they got to the right groups of people. And that's what the rest of this month is going to be about. That's why this month our sermons are going to be through the book of Acts. Not because it's the missions book but because it's the book of how Jesus built his church that shapes the current church to live on mission. So here's what we see. Verse 8 said, I want, I'm sorry, verse 4 said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Verse 8 said, I want you to wait because you're going to receive the Spirit and you're going to be emboldened and empowered as witnesses. And then what we're going to see is that in chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes to do this very work. In chapter 2 of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes to do this very work. So we're told at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 that all the believers were together in one place. We're told that the Spirit filled the room and fell upon them. And when asked... What's going on? Peter, full of the Spirit, stood up and quoted from the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, and he said this A day is coming, declares God, that I'll pour my Spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, which means speak God's word. 
And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and those who receive the spirit, what? They shall prophesy. And Peter says, this is what's happening today, with the result that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, so all the disciples received the Spirit that they could prophesy. Yes. Then, if you keep reading Acts chapter 2, verses 28 through 39, Peter takes this and he expands it out and he says this. Everyone who repents, believes, is baptized will also receive the Spirit and will also be emboldened to tell of God's greatness. And this is for those who are near and those who are far, for this generation and for the next, and for everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. So this promise of an emboldening and empowering spirit comes to all who believe. So we take away from Acts chapter 2 that one primary reason for the coming of the Spirit is to empower the followers of Jesus to be witnesses of the work of Jesus such that others come to repentance and faith in Jesus. Chapter 3 and 4 and 5 of Acts, what we see are these emboldened, And empowered witnesses speaking freely of Jesus, drawing people to Jesus, performing miraculous works that testify to the power of Jesus, and getting in trouble for it. And the resounding question, we see it in Acts chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, we see it in Acts chapter 5. Verse 29, the resounding question is this. Is it right in the sight of God that we stop speaking because we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard? Is it right in the sight of God to obey you or to obey Him? We will go on speaking. We will go on speaking. And then in chapter 6 and 7, persecution comes to the church that went on speaking. And they are scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And as they go, do you know what goes with them? the Spirit. And do you know what else goes with them? The gospel. And they speak of Jesus and the kingdom grows. That's Acts chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. So what I want you to see is that what Jesus told the disciples to wait on happened. The Spirit came The disciples were empowered and emboldened, and through their empowerment and emboldening, the gospel went forth and the church grew, and the gospel was then spreading outward toward the ends of the earth. Church, I want us to believe 
that we've been empowered by the Spirit, and one of the primary reasons of our empowering is for witness to Christ's saving power, here and there and everywhere. I want us to believe it, so much so that we're moved toward it. So imagine this. You go to the mailbox tomorrow morning. Not tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. And you open your mailbox and there's an envelope and it's got your name on it. And then up in the top left it says, from your benefactor. So you open it up. There's a check for a billion dollars with a B. One billion dollars with a B. And the benefactor said, I give you this gift and I want you to use it to be a blessing to as many people as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. Go and be blessed. Signed, your benefactor. Okay. So what are we going to do with our billion dollars? Man, that becomes a wisdom question, right? Lots of things to figure out. But here's a couple things I think we wouldn't do, right? We wouldn't go bury our billion dollars in the backyard. Because buried in the backyard, it's not going to be a blessing to anyone, right? I don't think we would just take our billion dollars across the street. And I see my neighbors back there, and they're like, maybe. But I don't think we'd take our billion dollars across the street and just say, be blessed. Because we were asked to use the billion dollars to be a, a, a blessing to as many people as we can for as long as we can. But I also don't think we would take the billion dollars and turn it into a robust investment strategy where it could become $100 billion. And then whatever's next, a trillion dollars, and on and on and on. Because we were asked to use it to be a blessing to as many people as we could. So the benefactor comes and says, hey, tell me how it's going with the billion dollars. Like, come on in here. I want to show you this. Spreadsheets, baby. I made you money. Not the calling. The calling was to use the money to be a blessing to as many people as possible. How does that fit back into this thing about mission? The Spirit was given to empower the disciples to be witnesses of Christ everywhere we are, period. We don't get to decide what we do with the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us. He decides, and he's told us why he dwells within us. One of the very clear reasons is to embolden us, and empower us for the mission and the work of God. Okay, pastor, where do I get started? One, I ask you to believe that here in this community, 
are people who need to hear of Christ and his love and his mercy and his compassion. And I ask you to take a step toward such people motivated by love and confident in the power of the Spirit to tell of Christ's goodness and Christ's saving mercy. Two, I ask you to pray for the Spirit who dwells within you to give you confidence and urgency and motivation and desire. I ask you to find those who are on the forefront of the gospel going forward, those who serve here and those who serve all around the globe and encourage them and pray for them. And as you keep up with their ministry, seek to learn from them such that you might become a a emboldened and empowered part of the mission of God here and there and to the ends of the earth. And then I ask you to pray for this congregation that as a church and as individuals, we would be a people who sacrifice much to bear fruit for the building of God's kingdom, the telling of God's goodness. This is my prayer for us this month. So take the green guide, access the prayer materials, come to the prayer meetings. I heard that the one on Tuesday evening was amazing and I can't wait to be a part of one this week. Come to the sermons, read the passages, consider giving. But above all of that, ask the Lord to change you and your family for the good of the mission of God. 